Hey everybody, it's Greg Bendian here at the Progcast, and we are always trying to keep things global. International progressive music is happening every day as we speak, and it's been happening in Sweden for decades, particularly coming out of the mind and the hands of my guest today, the keyboardist, composer, all-around incredible creative musician, Mats Oberg. Welcome, Mats. How are you? I'm okay. I'm fine. How are you? I'm okay. I'm so glad that we were able to hook this up and uh, <laughs> to do so with the, the help of Dan Bornmark, who's uh, known to many of our fans as a gentle giant cipher and gentle oh, yeah, yeah. expert. Uh, but Mats, you know, I I'm so interested in, in your music and your musical history I had the pleasure of seeing your band with Morgan Ogren perform in New Jersey and in mm. North Carolina. And what an incredible experience it is to, to hear your music and how it's evolved over the years. But I want to talk mm. a little bit about that evolution and talk about your beginnings, because I know you come from a very musical family. Yeah, I do. Uh, both on mother's and father's side. Um um my mother played a little piano and uh, she sat a lot with me when i was very 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 small uh, and i think i was about one or two two years old when i just uh, discovered the piano and uh, it was one of my it became one of my favorite toys you know yeah and yeah and uh you know, I was so uh, fascinated with w what you could do with the piano and and uh, music in general. So uh, it started very, very early. What was your first uh, musical interest stylistically or or band wise? Um, stylistically, it was it was so many different things at the same time. You know, I was listening to and uh, things like Miles Davis, Mahavishnu, uh, Weather Report, Stevie Wonder, The Beatles, uh, Swedish folk music, uh, children's records, uh, and at the same, all at the same time, there was no um, limit. I, I couldn't see any, uh, what, what do you call it? I, I guess I was very open-minded. So all of this music was just naturally around your environment and your family and coming at you just and in, in normal every day? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I've been told that I, I refused to go to bed if I couldn't hear Miles Davis when I was about three or four years old and things like that. So, wow. yeah. And... <laughs> And I remember the first time I, I heard my vision orchestra when I was three, three years old, we had the Birds of Fire album at home and I was just, uh, I was, I got really into it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, love, I, the, I love the sounds, you know, the, the combination of violin and guitar and, uh, and uh, John Hammer's synthesizer, even though, even though I thought that was a guitar at that time, uh, it felt like when, when, you know, like they had a conversation sometimes, you know, John and, and John Hammer. Or, or an argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what it sounded like. Like they were speaking when they when they were soloing to me. I'm sure Jan wouldn't mind knowing that you you thought he was a guitar. <laughs> yeah, but that I did. I discovered late, later when I was maybe nine or ten that, that 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 was a synthesizer. When I got into playing synthesizer myself. What was your first synth? My first synthesizer, well, um, the first one that I ever tried was uh, maybe eight preset monophonic Korg synthesizer that I that I um, borrowed from a music store. My my next door neighbor was a bass player named Lennart Jonsson, and um, he had a lot of contacts with. Uh, with the, the music stores in Umu and and he let me uh, borrow my my uh, synthesizer so I could um you know discover what that was and um, started with a monophonic synthesizer and then he let me try a polyphonic synthesizer so uh, you know so I could so I would know the difference between monophonic and polyphonic. That was when I, when I was about eight. And then I I bought my first synthesizer when I was nine. It was a Krumer synthesizer with two sounds mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had for a year. And, but uh, I got bored with that. But but at first it was fantastic. You know, I, ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So what was really uh, the piano your first love or were you always interested in just general keyboards? Um, piano was my first love and other other kinds of instruments that we had, just, you know, harmonicas and toy instruments, music boxes and everything that just sounded. Hmm. And uh, yeah, but piano was the first thing that I played. Were you gigging pretty early as well? I started gigging when I was nine. Mm. Uh, I did my first solo solo gigs, playing and singing, and then uh, I started my first band when I was nine, um, and then I met Morgan when I was ten. Well, that's a very famous meeting. I, I know that you've told this story before, and certainly Morgan has been on the program to tell it, but I'd love to hear mm. your side of the story. Yeah. Well, I, I had a gig uh, at a place, um, at a music cafe outside Umu, and um, I didn't have anyone to play with, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to play with somebody that was closer you know in my age because I, I was always almost always playing with people that were that were older older than me and uh, that was good I mean that was was great uh, was, was great musicians and, and so on but and I felt that I wanted to play with somebody closer to my age and I was told by by somebody there was, there's a guy named Morgan Ogden who plays drums and uh, He's gonna play with you on, on this gig. This gig, and we played uh, three songs. We, we, I think we we met just an hour before the gig, and we we try to find some musical uh, 
um, things that we had in common. And uh, I asked him, do you know, have you heard the Beatles? <laughs> have you heard Steve Wonder? Have you heard Frank Zappa? And we, we decided, uh, I think we came to, um, yeah, we, we decided we, we play Help and Master Blaster and Bobby Brown. That was the first thing we played. <laughs> I I had borrowed a clavinet and Morgan pl played drums and I was singing with a high child voice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so, yeah, that was just so fun. So after that, we just decided to continue and uh, have done since then. That's over 40 years, right? Yeah. And we, we had our 40 years anniversary two years ago and we did some gigs, uh, which was really, really fun. It was kind of a comeback for me because I had been really bad in my ears and, and was not able to work at all for, for a year. So that was kind of a fun, great comeback for me. And also working with orchestra, right? Say that again. You and Morgan were also working with an orchestra. Yeah, I've been working with, um, with different orchestras. I think the first, you mean symphony orchestras? Yes. Yeah. The first time I ever played with a symphony orchestra was when I uh, was involved with the Zappas Universe project in New York with, um, with Joel Thome as the conductor and, and uh, orchestra leader. And, uh, the orchestra was called Orchestra of Time. Um, that was the first time I played with a symphony orchestra. And I know that uh, some of our listeners know that Frank Zappa hosted an evening with the orchestra of our time, playing the music of Edgar Varez. Yeah. Mm. I was in the audience for that. Uh, and mm. it's on YouTube if anyone's interested in hearing Frank Zappa talk about the music of Varez when... It's being played by the Orchestra of Our Time and Joel Thome. And I was also at the Zappa's Universe concert. It was you and, and Morgan and Mike Keneally. I think Steve Vai was on that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the first show, he, he was. Yeah. Yeah. We did four concerts with that, and, and Steve was on the first one. So, obviously, we, we should talk a little bit about Zappa and, and his impact on you guys. Um, I know you have a new album out. I want to talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when did you realize that that Zappa was something that you were going to spend a lot of time and energy and... and uh, uh, that was when I was eight years old. Um, wow. Yeah, a, 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 a girl that was taking care of me and my brother during the summertime and... Uh, she um, she brought a lot of records, and and, um, and one day she had the Shake Your Booty Frank Zappa Shake Your Booty album with with her, and that was uh, I think that had just been released. Then uh, it was in seventy nine, and um, and I just loved it right away. The the combination of of everything, uh, beautiful mel melodies, humor. Uh, sound effects, collages, everything, you know, I just, I just loved it. And then, um, I think after a year, I think I had all, all the 
30 Zap albums that were that was out then. So I, I really got into it fast. Well, that's what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah, I borrowed record, more records from people and, and taped them and, and, and bought both records from, from my own money. So, yeah, I, I got really into it. What was your favorite Zappa from that time? From the, what I thought was the, the favorite album at that time when I was eight, nine, ten years old? or Yes. Uh, mm, maybe I, I really like listening to One Size Fits All, Rocks and Elsewhere, and Uncle Meat and 200 Motels. Hmm. So did you find Zappa's keyboardist to be interesting? Was George Duke someone that you admired? Oh, yeah, very, very, very much. Um, uh, I first heard about George when I was nine, I think. Um, when I heard Apostrophe and One Size Fits All and, um, and my uncle was a was a great piano player and and he 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 knew about Zappa also and he he told me that his favorite favorite period with with Frank was when George Duke was in the band, mm. so yeah, and so I yeah I really liked George way of playing and singing and uh, I I discovered George solo albums when I was ten or eleven, yeah eleven I got the. Uh, when I was 11 years old, I got the I Love the Blues, She Heard My Cry album for my birthday, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. he's quite quite an interesting role model as a composer, a key player and producer and singer. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I, I met George uh, four times, actually. Wow. And uh, it was always great, fun meetings. And the last time, last time was uh, a year before he passed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So was he aware of your work? Uh, I gave him some, some records, actually. Uh, I don't know what, what he thought about them, but he he said, I, yeah, cool, I will listen to them. And so, yeah. yeah. Um, he was very nice, nice to me. Really great, great person. Oh yeah, he's quite a sweet sweetheart. Everybody has great memories of George Duke. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, um, I recently had the honor of interviewing Ralph Humphrey mm -hmm. shortly before he passed, mm. and he spoke very highly and very fondly of that rock scene elsewhere period. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, right after George passed, uh, uh, both me and Morgan was, we were involved in a tribute concert to, to George with um, the Norbotten Big Band and the Norlands Opera Symphonic Orchestra. Uh, George was going to come to Umeå in, in Sweden and, um, and play with them. But then... Uh, uh, he got sick and, and passed, 
and then they decided to do the concert anyway um, as a tribute and and I got to play what George was supposed to play. What was the material? What? What was the material? The material? Yes. And that was mostly stuff that George had written for the Metropole uh, Orchestra in, in Holland in 2009, I think. Uh, that's when uh, a guy from Umu named Eric Palm met George and uh, they discussed doing this concert in, in Umu. Uh, so, yeah. But that was uh, an unbelievable experience doing, doing that concert and uh, also with Byron Miller on bass and uh, Napoleon Murphy Brock on vocals and Josie James on vocals from, from George formal band. Mm. And me and me and Napoleon has actually we have played a lot together as a duo. Oh, wow. Recently, yeah. And is that uh, playing Zappa material with Napoleon? Yeah, Zappa material and other things that that uh, that Napoleon likes to sing. You know, uh, jazz standards and and uh, different things. We we used to mix it. That's cool. Yeah, and we were in Hamburg in Germany last year and uh, did a concert that actually became an album. It came out uh, last fall. What's the name of that album? Hmm? What? The name of the album? Uh, it's, it's called uh, Zappa's for Bach or something. It, it's an album in a series of different. I don't. I can't remember the exact name of the record. Yeah, Napoleon's great. Yeah, fantastic. So you were studying classical piano, or were you just studying piano technique? What was your your training like? Uh, I. I played, uh, I studied classical piano um, when I was about 9, 10, 11, 12, and, and played some Bartok and things like that that I, that I liked, that I wanted to play. And then uh, when I moved to Stockholm and studied at the academy, uh, I, I, I took lessons from a fantastic piano player that recently passed named Stefan Nilsson for two years that uh, was uh, very important to me. I'm, I'm curious, what was the learning process like for you? Because I, I understand that uh, you're not able to see the sheet music, but your ears are incredibly developed. So how did mm -hmm. you go about learning uh, bar talk and these kinds of things? Uh, I was given tapes, mm. yeah, and uh, and my piano teacher also showed me, yeah, showed me how to play it. And so we we went through it together, and I, I was listening to tapes at home, and I just took it out, took it out by ear. Yeah, it's incredible what what the ear can do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I work with uh, Rachel Flowers as her drummer and, and uh, music director. And 
her hearing is just on another level and her understanding of, of the music is on another level. Mm. I've never met her. I would, I would really like to do that one day. Oh, I'm, I'm sure she would enjoy meeting you. It's, uh, mm. it's very interesting to me just how you're able to grasp and reach so much music and what can come through the ears and go into the hands and go into the body. And, mm. and really th that some people would think that there's a barrier, but, but for you really, there's no barrier because you can hear it all. Yeah. Did you start composing at an early age, Mats? Oh yeah. Um, composing without even, even knowing that I was composing, you know, you, you just sit and play and make music and, uh, and I think that I, I think I did that from the beginning, and just playing, you know, uh, playing and making music. Were you recording these things? Yeah, there, there were recordings. Um, I have a, a lot of old cassettes uh, from when I when I'm very 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 young. When I'm maybe four or five six years old, and I'm sitting and making up making up songs with lyrics that doesn't mean anything but i i just do it mm. <laughs> and so when you started working with morgan uh just by that chance meeting did you immediately make plans to to have a band with him and 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 collaborate yeah i think we decided that immediately and uh, i think just a few weeks after after we did that first gig a uh, um, neighbor of mine named named Sivert Erholm who was a tv personality in sweden he he uh, he got to know that that me and morgan start, had started playing together and he wanted us to be on his tv show and so that was our second gig, and then then we we have just <laughs> kept going, and have we've had so many different uh, settings, but uh, all, always based on on Mayan Morgan's ah, um, oh. what's the word? It's always it it has always been our our thing. But so is have, it, yeah, is it like a fifty-fifty thing where you bring in an idea and then he might develop it, or vice versa? Um, you know, you mean when we made make music, or yeah, are you composing collaboratively, or are you bringing in something and then he's adding to it? How does it work? Uh, both. I think in the beginning we we mostly we jammed things you know and uh, recorded what we did and uh, and listened to it afterwards and and some sometimes we we heard something this was a, this was a great part let's build something on this uh, and then later i think we started to to more more or less make uh, music or on our on our own you know i i would bring more music to morgan and he would bring music to me and then we just uh, used to mix that 
and uh, yeah, we we we've done both ways, and uh, improvised a lot. Uh, some some gigs we've done we 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 haven't haven't even decided what we're gonna do. We just uh, some somebody start doing something and then we we're out on a journey and see what happens. Yeah, that's and, a, a uh, fresh and exciting way to make music. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes you you get surprised when when you, you when you when you listen to it after afterwards oh did that really come from us you know <laughs> or we, we don't really understand how how did this get done or you know some improvisations well when when i think of your your work with morgan i think of its rhythmic complexity and and the rhythmic language that you both share. And I'm so curious, is that coming out of Frank? Is that coming out of contemporary classical music? Where where is that rhythmic impetus coming from? Um, don't know really exactly where that element comes from, but um maybe just a lot of music that, that we've heard and uh I think Morgan has been more into the rhythmic rhythmic side maybe than me. I, I've been more like a more, maybe more melodic. Uh, yeah, I think so. Morgan has been has based a lot of his stuff on on grooves and uh, and rhythms and and sounds. Um, uh, and I've I've been more like a, a melodic composer for the most part you know there there's so much interesting music that's come out of sweden and i recently had the pleasure of interviewing on a cruise to the edge moon safari and they were uh singing incredible harmonies and and very natural uh kind of pop rock prog mixture and i'm wondering what well, coming up if you were able to find growing up uh, any number of, of progressively minded Swedish musicians, because it seems to me like it's a very culturally advanced place, Sweden. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of great bands in the, that started in the 70s. Like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a group called Samla Mamas Mamma. Yes, of course. Yeah, okay. With uh, Lars Holmer on keyboards and and uh, and accordion and uh, doing most of the compositions, and I think he was a strong force and um, a group that also played when we met in North Carolina in two thousand four called Tretti Origa Kriget. Oh, I think yeah. well, yeah, they they played before us, I think. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's been a it's been a lot of great bands in in that direction in Sweden. That's great. I wish that more of those bands would come to the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so what what's the um, what's the concept for you 
of this new album that you had. You have a new album that came out this year in April. What is it called, Mats? Uh, it's called Visa från Inner Öra. It's um, in, in in English. It's uh, it's hard to really translate it, but um, the story behind it is um, I have had a lot of difficulties with my hearing recently. Um, it got really worse three years ago, and I thought I was gonna stop playing forever because it was so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but anyway. Uh, it started started to come music and um when when i had about nine nine songs i felt this is this is going to be an album i and uh, so that's when i i called don bornemark who who's the producer of the album and i asked him if he wanted to help me to produce and arrange and uh, yeah just help me with this album because he had sent me uh, a lot of a lot of records that he has ha, had done, and uh, I was listening to that, and I felt this is really great. His his way of, of arranging and producing would fit very good with my music too. So, uh, uh, so I asked him if he wanted to do it, and he said yes. And uh, when I got a little bit better, we we started to to record slowly and um, yeah it's been taking two years and now it's out it's fantastic it feels fantastic i'm really really happy with it and it's available on bandcamp it's available on spotify all the streaming platforms yes yeah and um it's, it's uh, gonna be released as a physical cd now oh. next next week and uh, we want to do a vinyl also many people want to want to have a vinyl do you, and do you have a physical copy of the cd not yet we're going to get it next week great yeah yeah i'm still a cd guy yeah me too <laughs> and vinyl and ah, all of it oh yeah even cassettes today <laughs> cassettes are coming back yeah, I've always been always been using cassettes. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I had to to jettison my cassettes when I moved because it was just too much physical media. But <laughs> I do I do like the cassette sound more than I like even vinyl sound. Mm, uh okay. Yeah, I heard that the I mean that there was a Miles Davis box set that came out. A half a year ago from I think recordings from 83 84 and some of that is has taken has been taken from cassettes and it sounds really good mm-hmm. yeah generally I think cassettes are better sounding than dats mm. yeah warmer fatter more fat for sure Round, rounder sound if you ah. yeah mm. Yeah, dats you have to really work with afterwards and and try yeah. to warm up and sound fuller. Yeah. So, do you have any plans uh, to play shows now with this new material, or or what is your your current? Yeah, we're gonna do. Um, 
big concert at the Umeå Jazz Festival uh, the 28th of October. And um, it's going to be with most people that are playing on the record. It's on, on, the, on the album, it's 20, 22 musicians. It's uh, different people on different tracks. So, um, and, but we, me and Don, we put together a band that really feels good now for this. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully there will be more, more shows in the future. And I can't really do gigs as often as I could before because of my ear problems. So I, I don't have that as much energy as before. So, uh, but it's, it's um it's, it's getting a little bit better and more stable it feels like now we 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 just hope for the best i'm curious if you have 22 people playing on this record what what's the process for making something like that come together well um i really had the idea that I, I wanted to, I didn't want to uh, have one particular band through the whole album. I just wanted to have, I wanted to get the musicians that I really heard in my head that I, you know, I wanted to have Morgan on, on some songs and uh, Mike Keneally on, on one song specifically. And, and, um, and then uh, Don has also brought in people that he used to work with that are completely new to me. So that's that's been really, really fun and fresh. And his daughters, Don's daughters, Signe and Joris, has really brought a lot to to the album with their vocals, their voices. And that has really, um, I think, lifted the, the music to a new, new dimension. And um, yeah, they are fantastic. And Jodis also plays violin on two tracks. And uh, we have uh, horns, a uh, uh, girl named Emma Wallström who plays, plays French horn. And that Dawn has worked with before. And um, yeah, it's, um, I think it's a very uh, fresh sounding album the whole the, the result how, how everything has become seems like it might be even uh, orchestral at times or chamber orchestra yeah or maybe uh, i haven't really thought about that but uh, it's more more i think more more like my my imagination, how I just imagine how I hear music in my head and um, very, um, I think, open-minded. I think that's such an important part of progress in music is being open to so many things that you'll never run out of food. You'll never run out of uh, material that can feed your imagination. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, I think that um, this this album, I think, really, really um, combines a lot of influence that I've had through the years. Also, it's not now all, all things are coming together. You know, experience music experiences that I've had with different bands, and uh, it's it's like all all of that has come together with this album. Well, that's what happens after you reach a certain point, right? It's all on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Why hold anything back? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is different from from your music that you you make typically with Morgan. Yes. Yeah, um, I I think so. Although Morgan is playing on on three tracks, um, but I felt that this is this is not music for a Martin Morgan album. This is going to be my album, and that's what it it felt like after I had about eight nine songs. I was not really sure from the beginning. It, no, maybe this is a Martin Morgan album. No, it's this is my album. Mm. Mm. And you're calling all the shots and you're arranging everything and you're basically sending people material to learn, yes? Yeah, although Dawn has really uh, helped a lot with the, the arrangements on, on this album also and, and, and um, brought his... his imagination you know music um imagination and playfulness to the music you also have a a kind of sense of humor in your music oh yeah absolutely we we always me and don always are dealing with humor it feels like mm -hmm. in, in just in everyday life well that's how we get and, and that and that comes out in the music yeah yeah if you don't have a sense of humor, I don't know how you can get through everyday life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, Matt, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. Finally, uh, we've been talking about this for months, and I'm so glad that we're able to um, promote your new album, which I, I encourage people to go and listen to. If you're fans of progressive music and, and Matt's and Morgan, well, this is a different color, a different kind of uh setup where Matt's is 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 working here with Don Bornemark and we have a, a different way of looking at his musicality. Any plans for coming to the US? Um no plans at the moment, but I would love to. Uh, I would love to do something in, in the US and in Japan and uh, places like that in the future. But there is at the moment there's no no plan, no, uh, ah, nothing at the moment, but we'll see, hopefully. I hope so, because yeah. seeing you guys play at New Jersey Prague House is uh, etched in my memory, something, one of the most impressive bands that I've seen in progressive music. And so people got to hear that. They got to see it live, I think, to, to really get the full experience of what you guys are into mm. right now when when me and morgan do do our thing we 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 work as a duo it, it's um it's not a 
a full band anymore, but uh, we we are in a way like a full band. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, There's a lot of music coming from uh, four limbs, eight limbs. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are people able to find uh, your tour dates? You have a website. What what what? Where can people find your your home base? Yeah, um, there's no tour dates uh, at the moment, and there's only only a few gigs. But um, uh, me and Morgan will have a gig the 9th of September in in Sundsvall at a, at a club called Pipeline in Sweden. And uh, that's what we have in, in the future. And then uh, me, me, me and Don Bornemark and Signe uh, and Joris, his daughters, uh, we, we have a gig at a jazz festival in, in Ystad in Sweden, the uh, 5th of August. And then it's the, the gig I, I just talked about in Umeå the 28th of, of October with its full band. Uh, so that's that's what I have in the future. Now that's good to know because we do have Swedish listeners and and fans of the podcast checking it out, and I hope that they will come and and hear you playing in Sweden because it's really a treat to be able to hear this music played live. And in mm. general, please, pro progressive music is is best enjoyed live. I know everyone loves their CDs and their streaming, but. You got to support live music and these guys are out there doing it in Sweden. So I'm hoping everybody will go check it out. And mm. I, again, I want to thank you, Matt. This has been such a pleasure to finally have a, a chance to catch up with you. I know we've, we've been around a lot of the same shows, <laughs> but now we finally get a chance to talk. And I want to thank Don also for, for helping us to get this working technically and thank you to everybody who's been listening over the years. We're coming up on our third anniversary. And you can always send comments to bendianmusic.com. And I always love reading your comments and, and hearing what people think about the program. It's It's been a pleasure and a joy. And uh, Mats, I hope that we can get together sometime in person and, and uh, maybe make some music. Yeah. And... Um... I say the same. It's been a really great pleasure doing this. And uh, glad you like the album. And and thanks for having me on, on this show. My pleasure, sir. And and continue continuing on and, and we'll be uh we'll be staying in touch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And this has been Greg Bendy and Matt Soberg on the podcast. Please uh hit us up on Patreon if you are so inclined and Look for us always on YouTube and all the streaming platforms. Thank you, everybody. See you next time. Thank you. So what does this title mean? I, I you're, you're alluding that it's it's very uh, complicated or difficult, but I, I'm so curious what the title <laughs> of the album means to us. Uh, yeah. Um easily translated it's uh, called music or songs from the inner ear uh, it's uh, called visa from inner ora it's a kind of a uh, 
uh, humoristic play with uh, 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 another title of a Swedish song called Visa from in from Utanmyra, but uh, uh, the the title came from uh, from uh, one of the musicians that are, that are playing on the album called Alde Möller, a multi instrumentalist who I've done a lot of things with in the last twenty five years or so, and uh, when I started when I played that tune from him and. Um, when I played that tune for him, um, uh, he asked me, what's the name of that title? Visa from Inderora or what? And I said, yeah, this is a perfect title. And then Don thought it was the most perfect name of the album because of my, you know, the, the history of, of the music, how it came, you know, through, I mean, during my worst time of life, really. Um, I, I had such a big problem with my with my hearing and uh, tinnitus and really horrible tinnitus attacks. So I, I thought I was gonna stop playing music, but this music—it was like I have to do this anyway, otherwise I get mad. So, and so this—it was like the, the music just has had to come out. I know that feeling very well. Even if you mm. feel challenged physically, the music still wants to come out. Mm. And and some some of the music I think I think when I when I started to to play it just it, it it felt like the music just started to play by itself, you know, it just had to come out, it just poured poured out. Music is a force. It's mm. unreliable. It will yeah. not be denied. Yeah. And uh, and some of the music I I I I, uh, I dreamed also uh, just part parts of it and and then when I woke up I just oh what was that and, and then I finished the rest of the of the music at the piano. So it is going. It's going on in your imagination all the time. I think so. That's beautiful. Yeah. 